Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. We all have things from when we were a kid that we cherish, that we hold on to. We all have those nostalgic things from when we were a kid that they tug at our hearts. They, 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 they get into our souls in a deep place that, that when certain things happen, they connect to when we are younger. And we hold on to these things because they make us feel so good. We all have these things. I'm no different. It was two weeks ago. I shared with you the message where it was titled, I Feel Stuck. And, 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 I, and I told you a little bit. I alluded to how I grew up in Canada. This is funny to me that because there have been so many new people, many didn't know I grew up in Canada. They're like, what? But I grew up in Canada, and I, and I told you how I've seen many people stuck literally because of snow and snow banks and ice and whatnot, right? I told you about that uh, two weeks ago, but I want to tell you something. Just, I'll admit this. I am not a very good Canadian, all right? My family has told me this for years. I am not a very good Canadian. When I moved to the United States, I actually worked on getting rid of my Canadian accent. When I was young, my mom told me that I wanted to move to the United States. I'm the only person in the history of our family that's ever become an American citizen. No, I'm not a very good Canadian. I love living in Alabama. I love the weather. I don't really have a desire to go home to Canada. Now, I do, do still know people from Canada, so if they're watching or listening online, I'm in trouble right now, but I'm just telling you, I'm not a very good Canadian. But there is one time of year just like I said, there's something from our childhood that grabs a hold of us. There's one time a year that, that I truly miss Canada. There's one time a year that just something in my soul just longs for Canada. It only lasts a couple weeks, but it's right now. I miss Christmas in Canada. I wish that I could just transport Canada to Tuscaloosa just for a couple weeks, even if you'd be mad at me. I want to, tus I want to transport Canada to Tuscaloosa for a, just a couple weeks. And I was thinking about that this week, and I thought, maybe that's why I have regrettably told you way too often of how I get sucked into Hallmark movies. I'm kind of known for that, right? That regrettably, I've admitted that they, they suck me in far too often, but I think I know why. Because 95% of the scenes look like Canada. I think that's what's going on, and it just draws me in. But I miss Canada at Christmas. I think what I miss most about it is when that snow gets on the ground and all of a sudden there's a, there's a change in, in every city, in every town. You actually experience it every year as well. You just don't have the snow on the ground. Let me tell you, it makes so much difference. But the, the sudden change I'm talking about is when our streets and our homes and our stores go from dark and dreary and boring to all of a sudden 
the bursting of lights. That sudden change where things change from being the same for 11 months to all of a sudden it's not dark anymore. It's just bursting with lights all around us. Now I ran into a problem this year. It was in September I started talking about what I wanted to talk about at Christmas. And it may seem like, whoa, far away, but, but I have to prepare the, like decorations and production team to get ready. I need to let them know in advance what, kind of what I want to talk about. So there I am. I'm having the conversation. I'm like, listen, I remember when I'm a kid. I remember, and all of a sudden, these streets that are dark, and then it snows, and then all of a sudden, like, just in a moment, it's like, there's lights everywhere, and I'm like, there's so much joy and energy I get from this, and I'm trying to inspire them, like, this is what we're going to talk about, great conversation, until someone walks up on this conversation. It was great until the person that walked up on this conversation was none other than Miss Amber Moore. Because Amber looks at me. She says, Scott, you love Christmas lights that much, right? Why have we never had Christmas lights on our house? And it's in this moment that I love her, but she's a terrible person. Because she weaponized my Christmas series against me. Because I've enjoyed lights all around me. But didn't have to put in the work, right? So you know what I was doing the day after Thanksgiving, right? If you're wondering what Pastor Scott was doing the day after Thanksgiving, I'm up on a ladder, I'm up on my roof, and for the very first time, the Moors have Christmas lights and everybody's happy, all right? Yeah, yeah, whatever. I endangered my life because my wife weaponized my Christmas series. But here we are. But no, don't you agree that there's something powerful that happens when Christmas lights enter the scenes, when the darkness of the neighborhoods and darkness of, of just streets, and all of a sudden there's the bursting of Christmas lights where typically darkness dominates. Now lights have taken over and something changes. As I think about this concept, I transition to you and me. I transition to life. That isn't this a potential picture for life? That much of our life, it seems like we live in a darkness. We live in the weight of life. That darkness is real. Hard days, hard months, hard years, they hit us that this is a very real concept for us. That in this darkness, we, we end up feeling alone. Maybe that has been a darkness you have felt. There's been a darkness of feeling helpless to getting through a situation. You're just at the mercy of it. Maybe a darkness of feeling like all you can do is get through today. Darkness is real. Maybe darkness of a relationship that just keeps hurting your heart. Maybe there's a darkness of feeling like everyone around you has hope, but where is mine 
Couldn't I keep going with scenario after scenario of darkness that we all have moments where we feel that darkness is a real thing in life? I want to tell you, this is the setting of the Christmas story. See, when we think of Christmas, we think of lights, we think of presents, we think of energy, we think of food, we think of happiness, but the setting of the Christmas story is actually darkness. See, if you were with us last week, um, Pastor Bob Kerstetter talked about um, the time between the Old Testament and the New Testament. He talked about time and taking advantage of that time. Well, in case you forgot... The time between our Old Testament, which ends in Malachi, and the start of the New Testament, which is Matthew, there is a span of 400 years where we don't have anything in our scriptures. To understand how powerful, how life-changing, how incredible the Christmas story is, we have to understand the scene or the setting or the context in which the Christmas story sits in. Because all through the Old Testament, all through the history of life in the Old Testament, God had used prophets to speak to his people. God had used specific people for specific times, for specific messages, and he would speak into people's lives. But all of a sudden, there is this silence. All of a sudden, there is a feeling of distance. All of a sudden, generations, think it, generations, 400 years is a long time. Generations have felt God being silent. 400 years, generations have felt maybe there's a distance between them and God. Generations of feeling alone. Generations of feeling directionless. Generations of anxiousness. Generations of feeling forgotten. Generations of people who want a relationship with God, but where is he? How do I go about it? Generations of feeling like society's taking advantage of me, and who is there fighting for me? What did 400 years feel like? It felt dark. It felt dreary. It felt weighty. And I think in this darkness, what can be produced is times of anger. In darkness, what can be produced is fear. In darkness, what can be produced is feeling like you're lost in a wilderness where there's no end in sight. Just darkness. In order to understand the power of the Christmas story, we have to understand the setting that it sits in. Darkness. Until one night. Darkness until one moment. Until this moment where darkness was replaced with this bursting of light that changed everything for everyone. All of a sudden, the world could look a little bit different. All of a sudden, maybe there was hope in the air. In Luke's gospel, he talks about how Mary and Joseph go to Bethlehem, right? In the uh, beginning of Luke, it talks about how Jesus is born. 
But he, the story continues for Luke because he wants to, us to get a bigger picture of Christmas and he wants us to see that there is a moment where something changed for people. And this is where we go to Luke chapter 2. Famous story. You know the story. We know the Christmas story. But let me read to you again. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. Now suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared, bursting in the air. They're praising God, and they're saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those whom his favor rests. Now, we need to find ourselves in this story. What does this story feel like? Put yourself in the seat of these shepherds. You're just living life. Now, don't move ahead of the story. Live in the moment. We know the end of the story. Live in the moment. They are just shepherds in these fields, in these mountains, in this area. You're just doing your job. It is dark. All you have is the sky. But in a moment, those lonely, dark fields experienced a bursting of light that changed everything. Maybe the lonely, dark places that those shepherds had been feeling all of a sudden experience hopefulness for the future. We know that they went and saw Jesus. Maybe them running towards Jesus was because they all of a sudden had a hope that they didn't have. Maybe they ran towards Jesus because they, there was something, a deep place inside that longed to be connected to a place that had possibilities, to go where darkness no longer reigned, to go where darkness maybe couldn't dominate. We have to remember the setting of the Christmas story, what these people were living in, how life was. And now maybe God was speaking again. And they wanted to be there for it. The moment that light burst into the sky, the moment this happened, the possibilities of life completely changed. This is the Christmas story we remember every year. But you know what? This is the only the beginning. One thing I want to, I'll probably continue to remind us is that this is only the beginning. The story we that know at Christmas is a moment, but it is the beginning to so much more. See, the idea 
of light, bursting light coming into the world did not end in that moment. I want to fast forward to see where the conversation maybe went next. I want to go see Jesus now as an adult. John chapter 8. You got your Bibles, you got your phones. John chapter 8. Jesus says a powerful sentence to the people. Verse 12 says, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. This is a beautiful and powerful, life-transforming sentence and moment in Jesus' life. But I want to tell you why it's so powerful. I want to tell you what moment he says it and how Jesus uses just a moment in life to make this proclamation that would change people's lives forever. See, if you look throughout Scripture, you'll see that this idea of light and darkness comes up all the time. This week, I read minimum 30 verses where it talks about light and darkness and, and how God used this concept to speak truth into our lives. I mean, look at the beginning of the Bible. What's it say? In the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth. It says the earth was void of form and darkness hovered the earth. Okay, that is the setting. But then it says, God said, let there be what? Light. Let there be light. From the beginning of Scripture, from the beginning of life, until the end, light and darkness is talked about. And maybe you don't know this, but this is the context in which John chapter 8 was written. And I think you may think this is fascinating. I think this is a really cool way that Jesus preached or spoke to the people. See, in order to understand John chapter 8, we have to understand John chapter 7. We have to see the context or the setting that Jesus says those powerful words in John chapter 8. See, right before Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, John tells us that Jesus is in Jerusalem for what's called the festival or the Feast of Tabernacles. Okay? The Jewish people have seven feasts or festivals that they celebrate. Okay, What they're celebrating is what God has done over the course of their people's history and still what he's doing for them today. And so what John tells us, if you go back to John 7, you'll see that Jesus is there for the feast or the festival of tabernacles. We know that this feast would happen in October, November-ish. Now, one of the things of the, there's a few things they celebrate, but one of the things they were remembering and celebrating is how after the Israelites are taken out of slavery in Egypt and they're put in the wilderness, they're celebrating that God met them there and he says when they were directionless, 
When they didn't know where to go, how to get to the place that God had for them, he said, you can follow me by day because of a cloud and by fire at night. And so God sees them there. And, and, and at this time, his presence was in a tabernacle or a tent. It was portable. It was not a building yet. So they celebrate this festival or this feast of the tabernacles, how God moved with them or directed them so they could get to the place that they knew they needed to go. Now, this festival lasted a week. This festival every day had something that they remember what God had done. One of the ways that they did this, I think this is so cool, is in what's called the court of women. This is the same place where they come and give tithes um, to the temple. In the court of women, on the four corners, they would put up four stands. Now, these stands were super tall. This, it, it's going to make sense in a second. These stands were super tall. They had to have ladders to get to the top of the stands. And on each stand, there were four gold bowls. In these four gold, gold bowls were oil. And then these bowls were lit on fire, and there'd be a flame coming out of the bowls. Now, I don't have, a, I, I want to get a picture, I try to find a picture that would show this. You're just going to have to use your imagination. Imagination that it is dark. You have to imagine that, that, that this goes on for a week long. And at nights, you know, they don't have electricity, but they have these stands that are high and the four bowls. And it is said that during this week, the whole area was lit up because of how big the flames were this was an unusual thing for them because normally once again context in scripture normally they would have little oil lamps they would take around the house so they could have light at night now the whole area is just bursting with light why is this important jesus says the words he said at the end of this festival the festival's coming to a close. They've experienced this unique light all week long. They've experienced remembering what God had done for them, guiding them through the wilderness. They are remembering the history of what God has done for them. And if you picture this moment, and then I reread the words that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You are remembering what God did for you years ago. You are remembering that he was the light of that helped you walk through the darkness when you didn't know where you were going. You are remembering that he was faithful. You are remembering that he was there when you needed him the most. You're remembering his presence and how he went everywhere you went. And he says to them, I am the light of the world. I am that light. You follow me, 
you will never be in darkness. Now, if you see the rest of John 8, you'll see this led to a pretty big argument between Jesus and the rest of the religious leaders. And it makes sense because he is saying to these people, you are living in so much darkness. You feel beaten down. You feel like you may not have the hope for tomorrow because you're on the lowest part of society. You have these celebrations because you remember the past more than you can celebrate the present. Your present is hard. Your present is lonely. Your present is feeling distant from God. Things like you're being taxed like crazy, so you don't even have money. You have nothing in life. Their present was very desperate. It was dark. And Jesus looks at them and he says, that light, the thing you're celebrating, the thing you're remembering, that is me. I need you to see me. You don't have to live in darkness if you let me be the light of your life. And so imagine those people. This has so much more power if you can leave your seats you're sitting in. Imagine being one of these people. The streets of their life are very dark and dreary. Then all of a sudden in front of them is a potential bursting of light that changes everything about their life. They have a bursting of light that has brought hope. A burst of light that makes them think there's potentially a chance. They can get through. They can make it. But it was their choice. Were they going to believe? Were they going to believe that Jesus was, is what their heart has been waiting for? But also what their generations of people have been waiting for? Are they going to believe that in the middle of their darkness, there's potential that what they've been talking about for years and years and years, Jesus has said, I'm that person. Where are they going to buy into? Jesus really is that light that they can follow. This is the Christmas story to me. We talk all about Jesus coming, but for me, the Christmas story began even, it began so far before that. See, the Christmas story for me begins when God speaks light into the world. And then God is the light to the Israelites when they didn't know where to go or didn't know what to do. Then Jesus comes, and this burst of light happens, and the angels are told that he has come. The light of the world has finally arrived. That darkness has been felt. Darkness always seems to be winning. But maybe Christmas 
maybe Christmas is supposed to remind us of one overarching truth. One truth more than every other truth is that darkness is no match for light. That maybe the Christmas story is supposed to remind us that darkness has no choice but to surrender to light. Maybe this is the Christmas story for us. If Jesus is the light of the world, then no matter what darkness I'm experiencing, no matter what darkness I have in my life, it is no match to what Jesus wants to do when he comes into every one of those dark places. See, maybe this is why John, who just wrote John 8, we read, maybe this is why he started his gospel with these words. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Who are we talking about? Jesus. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus coming to this earth is bringing a new life. He is bringing a kingdom of lights that is bringing life if we will let him lead to that life. From the beginning, God was greater than everything. From the beginning of creation to Jesus coming, even to the death and resurrection, to him returning one day in a broken world where darkness will always try to dominate. In a world where darkness will always try to dominate. There will be times when you feel like darkness is winning. You will feel that darkness is winning. But maybe Christmas is the reminder that we need. Maybe Christmas is the reminder to us that we need to celebrate and celebrate in a big way. To celebrate that darkness wins in moments. But in darkness, I mean in Jesus, darkness never wins in totality. Darkness has no chance when Jesus enters the story. Does everything go perfect in our lives? No. But when we hold on to the words of Jesus where he says, I am the light of the world, Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so we're walking into a Christmas season. And every one of us is walking into this season differently. 
We have different levels of darkness. For some of us, it feels like the weight of, of, of the world is over us, and we can't see any light. For others, it's little parts. But Christmas allows us to stop. I know Christmas is chaotic. I know Christmas is crazy. But it actually gives us a chance to stop and be reminded that if I'm feeling the weight of darkness, if I'm feeling the weight of hopelessness, I'm feeling the weight of loneliness, I'm feeling the weight of forgottenness, I'm feeling the weight of I'm just making it through today, I'm just feeling the weight of whatever darkness is, Christmas lets us go, but darkness doesn't have to win. Because darkness has no choice but to surrender to the light of Jesus. The Christmas story is not new for any of us. You know what I'm going to be talking about through the month of December. There's no surprises. But sometimes, 11 months of the year gets really dark. And what we need is to be reminded that there's this burst of light and it brings the joy. It brings peace. It brings hope. It brings a reality that says you don't have to live in this because you can invite Jesus into those dark places. The situations don't always change immediately. But where Jesus is, there is always hope in life. The extinguishing of darkness is not always circumstance. Sometimes it's carrying the weight on our own. So, how are you this Christmas? Is there anything you need to invite Jesus into? Is there any darkness, any fear, any anxiety, anything you need to invite him in so that he can be the light of life, so you can follow him? Because he is somewhere he wants to take you. From the beginning, darkness has been there, but then God speaks. And I believe as he spoke light into this earth, as he brought Jesus as the light of the world, he still wants to speak into your life. Because this is the amazing part of Christmas is we get to be reminded that Jesus is over everything. He is the King of Kings. And there's nothing that his power is not greater than. He reigns over it all. And this is only the beginning. In a few months, we will celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus. But it starts here that the light comes in and those who give their life to him. Maybe for you, that's not salvation. You believe in Jesus. But there's a part of your life that needs Jesus. When we do this, he comes in and saves. He rescues. And so this Christmas, maybe God wants to speak that to you. And maybe today, maybe today is the beginning of a season that doesn't have to be dark, 
but can be filled with the bursting of light of Jesus. So Jesus, we pray to you today. Your people are here and you see every individual story. You are present in every one of our stories. And God, some people may be doing great right now and they just need to praise you because you've been working and they see you, but other people are sitting in darkness and they need the Christmas story of the light of the world coming in. And God, they need you to push that darkness out. They need to see you. God, you are greater than everything. We can trust you. So God, will you speak to your people today? May we celebrate because we remember that you came and you're still coming into our life if we let you. It's your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.